a Seychelles trip report, and a Hilton deep dive with C.F. Frost on episode 13 of Checking In. All right, I'm here today with C.F. Frost. C.F. Frost is not an Amex employee. He's a guy who knows a lot about Amex. He's been on the show before, a very familiar voice, usually talking with authority about Amex. But we're here today to talk about something completely different. C.F., welcome to the show. Good to talk with you. Good to be back. We're going to talk about Hilton. I don't know if people necessarily think of you as the Hilton guy. You are a Hilton guy, and you know you just came back from a really good stay there. Uh, before we get into that, though, I want to kind of set the table for what we're talking about here. You know, Hyatt gets such praise for their loyalty program, the way they famously treat globalist guests. Uh, But Hilton is a program that is not to be overlooked. Uh, They're not sinister like Marriott. They're maybe not as incredible as Hyatt. But you've been able to, and others have, have been able to extract a ton of value from them. Is that your position on Hilton before we get started? Yeah, so my my general thought is that the general consensus, I think, in the in the game is that Hyatt is the best. And that's probably true. It's probably true for, for some or even, even most. But just because there's one flag bearer for what makes a good hotel loyalty program doesn't mean that we should just throw the rest of the bathwater out and, you know, classify everything else as, you know, a, a, a bevy of deplorables because there's a lot of value in some of the other chains as well. So, you know, Hilton does do some things right. They do some things better than Hyatt. And you can be a Hyatt apologist and a Hyatt fanboy, but you should still leave room for Hilton in the sense of what do they do well? How can I capitalize on that? How can I maximize that? Because there's a a lot of opportunities if you just take off really narrow focus blinders on, you know, there's only one winner and everyone else is a loser and just kind of cherry pick the best of the other programs. And if you look at Hilton, you know, with a really critical eye, I mean, there's a lot of things they don't do well, but there's also a lot of things they do do well. And focusing on those good things, I think you can come out ahead and really kind of diversify your your whole travel experience. I like it. That's a great way to set the stage. We're going to talk about 10 ways that Hilton is better than Hyatt. I thought it'd be more interesting than just kind of talking about great things about Hilton in general. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. The If you're going to go someplace and there's not a Hyatt there, uh, what does that mean? You're not going to ever visit that place because you're so <laughs> hell-bent on staying at Hyatt's all the time and maximizing your time as a globalist or whatever it might be. The program is just very interesting, but different. And I think we'll go over it and give people tips on how to use it uh, more effectively today if they're not so familiar with the Hilton program. But before we get started on that, I, I did want to pick your brain on this trip that you took not too long ago to a Hilton brand. I mean, well, they have like 18 brands in their portfolio. You know, it's pretty impressive. It was to an LXR property. Now, where was that one? Yeah, so it was in the Seychelles and they have just started the LXR brand. I mean, yeah, you, you wake up every morning. It seems like Hilton has a new dedicated brand of hotels that caters to some subsect of a subsect of a subsect <laughs> that they're trying to go after, like, you know, vegan millennials who drive Ford pickup trucks. You know, they're going to have their own <laughs> chain soon. But the LXR chain kind of struck my interest because I thought it would be, if executed well, something that I would be really into. It's it's a branded as a very upscale luxury type uh, brand, you know, along with Conrad and Waldorf, kind of like their flagship for, for luxury. But where Conrad is kind of the minimalist modern luxury and then you have waldorf who's kind of like the old world kind of stuffy luxury which you know people do like um and lxr was going to kind of fill the void of the boutique luxury where you kind of go there and you are treated as if you're a guest of the hotel in the truest sense like Hmm. you're you're they invited you over to the hotel because you're a family member um smaller room capacity, you know, kind of, and I, I say this, you know, with all due respect, kind of like an Amon light, I think is kind of what they're going for. Ooh. I mean, they can never live up to that classification, of course, nor do I think they're trying to, but that kind of vibe of, you know, you come here and it's like, we brought a family member into our home 
and it's going to be small properties and, you know, boutique upscale luck. I can't wait to hear about how your stay was because that is a pretty lofty and uh, very appealing to me uh, description there. And uh, very valuable because, you know, if you look at their website, the Hilton website, all you can really tell is uh, no, the first thing listed is Waldorf Astoria. The second is LXR. The third is Conrad. And I get the sense that they're trying to rank order them, those in terms of prestige. But as you uh, uh, outlined there, there's a lot more to what goes into a brand than just the cost of it or the, the perceived fanciness of it. There's a there's a nature to these things. There's a there's a dozens of car manufacturers, right? But you want to find the one that matches with your personality, and that's a very subjective thing. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, are there any like distinguished characteristics about it? I, I saw a thread recently on the Andaz chain within the Hyatt chain, and it was talking about uh, Andaz means free minibar. That's one thing that they <laughs> definitively do. And then you find out that a lot of properties aren't even having free mini bars anymore. But is there anything like that that is, you know, there's a butler at every one of our properties. I was looking around at their locations around the world and it didn't seem to be very strategic. You know, there was one in Santa Monica. There was one in uh, Seattle. There's one in Kyoto, I think. Right. And it's like, is there a strategy? There's one in the- Vegas now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a big giant one kind of or uh, maybe a boutique hotel within a giant hotel. So right. what is the you know, the, that seems to be in contradiction, I guess, with the, the idea of uh, invite being invited over to someone's home in a giant hotel in Las Vegas. <laughs> Right. I don't know how the Vegas one, when I saw that, like, so they kind of been announcing these, you know, bit by bit, but there's one in the Caribbean that looks really cool. Um, there's one in Kyoto, which they're building, which I think if they execute it correctly, just the general nature of Japanese hospitality, I think could be a home run. Uh, and, you know, the one in the Seychelles. And then you see the one in Vegas and it's like, I guess it's part of a much larger hotel would be a hotel in a hotel concept. But I think that's going to be tougher to execute just by the general nature of Vegas type hotels. So they kind of, you know, I I raise my eye a bit when you see the branding and you see what they're moving towards and then you put one in Vegas and it kind of makes you stop and think. But overall, I mean, not not to spoil the end, I was very pleased with, with how they did it in the Seychelles. And if they can replicate that in other hotels, I think that it's a very strong option for people using points and certificates going forward because there's sensational value based on the room rates that these hotels do command. We well, do seem to have quite a bit of experience in range uh, in in the region and the region in my mind being never having visited an exotic resort island in, in the in the Indian Ocean. Uh, so you've got the Maldives, you've got the the Seychelles and you've got uh, Mauritius. Is that another one that people tend to Mauritius? To? Yes. Yeah. I, boy, that's I, I'm sure I mispronounced all three of those, you know, go, go over three there. But um, you've been to this island before and you've been to those some of those others as well. Uh, maybe start there a little bit broader. Uh, what would draw somebody to the Seychelles versus those other islands? Correct. So I've been to the Maldives twice um, and the Seychelles once before on my honeymoon. So where the, the, the Maldives is very unique in the sense that, as everyone knows, you know, you get that little island that you're on and that's kind of it. And you got that shipwrecked, disconnected feel, um, which is, I think some people love it and some people hate it, uh, but it generally kind of, you're limited in terms of what you can do when you're there generally, which is a good thing or a bad thing, you know, depending on how you like to travel or want to travel. Mm-hmm. The Seychelles have a little bit more behind them than the Maldives, just because there's a main island. And on the main island, there's hiking and there's jungle and there's more of a local culture. Mm -hmm. So you get more diverse food and people and just you can get off the resort and you can see art and just get a little more sense of culture um, than you do in the Maldives. And that's not to detract from I, I know some people, you know, they turn their nose up at the Maldives and people who go to the Maldives turn their nose up at people who don't go to the Maldives <laughs> just because it's just it's a I can see how it's a very unique vacation that people would either love or they hate. So it's not the Maldives. The, the beaches are beautiful, um, but it's a very different atmosphere than the Maldives. And I think it's wonderful. And I also think the Maldives are wonderful, too, for what they are. Um, and both places I would go back to in a heartbeat. I think that the Seychelles has more of a Hawaii type vibe just because you have more to do off the resort um, where the Maldives is kind of in its own world in terms of the lifestyle that you command when you go there. 
I love that CF. I mean, it would not knowing these things from afar, they just seem like exotic resort destinations to me. I've seen the pictures of them and I can see exactly what you're saying. You're not going to be wandering around and exploring the rest of the island. It's just that resort. That's it. And the idea of a private island is very appealing to some people for a certain type of vacation. It's not even certain types of people. It's certain types of vacations. And uh, what you're describing there with the Seychelles is, is really interesting. Um, did you get off and explore a little bit around the resort or did you spend most of your time at the resort? So the first time we went to the Seychelles, uh, we stayed at a Hilton uh, La Brise. And the Hilton La Brise, this was five, six years ago, is on its own island that it shares with a national park. So there's the national park, and then there's the Hilton. And it's a huge island. And there's, you know, jungles and beaches and a little mountain. Um, so you're, though, confined on that island. So it kind of has like a big Maldives feel. And I'll, I'll give a plug to that hotel, too. It's a phenomenal hotel. It's branded as a Hilton, but it really uh, it swings a lot higher. They could they could make that into a Conrad probably just by slapping some different stickers on it. It is <laughs> it is a phenomenal hotel, and you get a somewhat Maldivian feel in the sense that you're on an island in the middle of nowhere. So you so you get that aspect to it. When we went back, we were excited about the LXR because it was going to give us a chance to get off the property and kind of explore a little bit within the country of the Seychelles. And we were able to do that, which was phenomenal. So both these properties are on the main island. There's not a, uh, an island off the island in either of these situations. And and that's true of most of the resorts there? So that is, so Labrise is on an island just off the main island. You can either take a very cheap ferry ride or you can take a helicopter and get there and five minutes. So it's not like a Maldivian thing where it's, you know, seaplane and, and the whole nine yards. So it's, it's right off the coast of the main island. The Seychelles has a lot of islands in it. Uh, most of them are generally uninhabited for people or hotels. And most of the hotels are concentrated on the main island of Victoria. And the Mango House LXR that we're talking about here is on the main island? Correct. All yes. Right. And so that gave you a, an easier, I mean, sure, you could take the ferry, but if, if your goal was to more explore the island, that, that would probably be the way that you would recommend. Yes, for sure. La Brise was wonderful for what it was, but if you wanted to get a sense of the Seychelles, the people, the, the local, the culture, you probably want to stay more on the island. Because once you get somewhere, there's that inertia. You know, if you're spending all this time and all this money to go to La Brise and, you know, hang out on the island, you, do you really want to be catching ferries and... You know, it just makes more sense to stay where you want to stay. Got it. Well, I think that also serves as a good opportunity to compare the the quality of the, the property and the service standard there. You know, I think and we'll get into it more as we talk about the loyalty program. There's a perception that uh, maybe Hilton and maybe Marriott Bonvoy, they don't treat you very well here in the United States where there's so many, you know, kind of people who have ginned up elite status one way or another. There's too many elites flying around. So... My perception is that it, you get treated better as the Hilton or Marriott elite over overseas, anywhere overseas, anywhere but the United States. Uh, so I, I think it's interesting to compare your stay at these two properties because they're part of the same portfolio in the same region. Maybe one uh, is in a higher category in terms of its classification as an LXR versus a Garden Variety Hilton. But um, what was the, the loyalty treatment like and what was the resort like overall? Oh, it was phenomenal. A loyalty treatment and the resort were phenomenal. So when it started, we the first thing that you know you always kind of want to see is like how responsive are they in advance to your questions or comments and and everything else. And especially in a time of COVID, when you know you're worried about how am I going to get tested on the island to to leave eventually, and then to make matters even more complicated, me and my wife had booked this with free resort night certificates, and we kind of had to do it one night at a time because of they only have 27 rooms and their room categories are almost every room is its own category oh, now that's not an issue necessarily with the free night certificates because there's a few different room types that go into that base of using them but we never found that you could string two nights in the same room type together yeah so you know one first night was like in a ada room second night was in a deluxe room third night was in a standard room fourth <laughs> night was in like a double bedroom so we have four different reservations across two people against four room types so i wanted to let them know in advance that ideally you know 
same room if possible but just so they're not kind of you know confused about all these different reservations <laughs> this guy really wants to check out every room on the hotel <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they were so responsive beforehand about you know okay here's how we can get you a test and we're going to note that about you know we want you to be in the same room and we should be able to take care of all of that um and also in that we booked a car to the hotel from the airport. We'd, we'd looked at the taxi rates. It's going to be like $15 more to take a uh, hotel car versus a cab. And we thought, you know, after a long flight, so much easier just to get right into the right car. Don't have to worry about currencies to take credit card. If the car's got a suspension problem, you know, just go <laughs> right to the car. Right. And it worked fabulously, you know, like just like it was intended. You know, someone's there with the name and you get in the car. And what was great about it was when we pulled up to the resort, clearly there was, you know, communication because door opens up and they knew it was us coming in. You know, it wasn't yeah. like, you know, who are you? This and that. <laughs> uh, so like right off the bat, tremendous start, you know, that their 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 pre-arrival and their arrival was was right on point. And we got there at eight o'clock in the morning. So, I mean, this is pushing the limits of a, of an early check-in. <laughs> Yeah. And they were so apologetic that they didn't have a room ready for us yet. Oh, wow, yeah. And But they were like, you know what? While you wait, go have breakfast for free. Don't worry about it, you know. And when the room is ready, we're going to make that the first room we clean. And we will make sure that you stay in the same room the entire time. You won't have to change room keys. And we'll, we'll, it will all work out in the back end. And we went to breakfast. And sure enough, breakfast over, the room was ready. Nice. So it was a really great start. Like the, the free breakfast on arrival was such a nice treat because completely unexpected, completely not in any program terms or any expectation of it. And, you know, it's just we, we weren't that hungry, but it was nice to get something to eat and just wait and have a cup of coffee and just not worry about, you know, just hanging out in the lobby, you know, while the whole situation is sorting itself out. So really off to off to a really great start. Fantastic. Um, you said you were there. You, you mentioned four different uh, room categories. That you Was it literally a four-night stay? It was a four-night stay. Yep. So it was a little shorter probably than most people would want to do. But just based on scheduling, you know, that's all we, we had time for, unfortunately. Well, I like the number of rooms that low count gives them, I think, an easier opportunity to make the experience personal. Is there much to do there at the resort or is it, you know, in terms of, I don't know, tennis courts, beach, uh, I mean, what activities, what, what, what's the, what's the presence like there, the scope of the, of the resort and, or, you know, get, getting off of the resort and doing other stuff? Yeah. So there's, there's, there's three pools, which is nice. And, you know, you can go to the three different pools and they all have a very different feel to them. And unsurprisingly, they're not really that busy, any of them, just because there's not that many rooms. Yeah. Uh, there's a small beach in front of the hotel, and I would say the beach is unimpressive. And I don't think that's a surprise going in if you're looking at pictures. It's not, you know, the most beautiful beach, and it is it is rather small. There's a lot of really nice beaches right off the resort. Um, it's probably too far to walk, but cars are relatively cheap to rent there. Um and there's all sorts of guided tours if you wanted to check out different beaches. They have, people will take and, and drive you around from beach to beach. One unbelievably nice diamond privilege that they have for diamond guests there is that they will give you a free car to use for a day. Um, wow. Go to the desk. They have cars. They give you the keys. And uh, <laughs> it's yours. Just bring it back. You know, don't worry about anything else. That's almost even better than family, right? If I'm a, a visiting family, it's always a little awkward to borrow somebody's car. Like, are you insured, mister? Oh, <laughs> I, and I think you feel you got to clean it and yeah. fill it up with gas and the whole nine yards. But that was the phenomenal, phenomenal perk for people. And really kind of like sets that hospitality tone. And were you comfortable driving around the island? So the roads are very narrow, um, very narrow. And sometimes the edges aren't very well defined. So it's definitely something that you want to drive slowly and carefully. Uh, and I wouldn't necessarily want to drive at night. Do they drive on the right-hand side of the, ro of the road or left-hand side? They drive on the, correct. They drive on, well, they drive on the British side of the road. Oh, no, the left side then. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, no. So, I mean, <laughs> there, there, there's a few factors, right, that kind of go into it. Um, but overall, it's nice because 
they give you a map and they tell you everything that's great to the point of just, you know, there's 70 things that they highlight on the map. You know, this is a great beach. Oh, this is a great little restaurant to stop at. Oh, you know, every, every little thing that they, again, they, they treat you like you're going to your cousin's house and he's trying to give you the, the inside scoop of, of the local hip places to go see. So that was great. And the other nice thing is if you don't want the car, they'll give you a free massage for everyone in the room. So, I mean, they, Super, super generous in terms of an unpublished, you know, elite benefit. Oh, that that pulled through just for uh, Diamond Guest, and we'll get into how easy that is to attain in a minute. But that is, I agree, very nice. And I guess you know all the other good stuff that came through with Diamond. Uh, let me ask, uh, not not to guide it too much, but the, I'm curious about the rooms. Is this like a a gorgeous drop dead room? Is there a big range of rooms from entry level to the tippy top? And how, how much did they upgrade you? It sounds like the hotel was full, based on your check in being a little bit later, close to full, or at least that room category is full. How, how yeah, was the so room? It was it was close to full. So you know, there's only 27 rooms, and I think half of them are kind of villa y. So I don't think that they fall into any sort of upgrade. Um, every room faces the ocean, which is beautiful. So there's no bad, there's no parking lot view room. There's no quote unquote garden view room that looks over, you know, one sad palm tree and in a patch of grass. <laughs> so every room you pull open the drapes and you're looking right at the ocean. So beautiful. Generally the rooms that they will upgrade you to, um, as a Hilton diamond are relatively, even though they're kind of called differently, they may be one floor higher. Um, think of a, of a hotel that has basically a lot of outbuildings and and there's outbuildings, four rooms per outbuilding, you know, higher, lower, uh, four corners kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the rooms, brand new. Hotel, brand new. Uh, so it's very nicely appointed. Um, water pressure wasn't great, if I, if I can be frank, on, on the shower situation. Um, but otherwise, the, uh, the room was very well appointed in terms of enough plugs the air conditioner was phenomenal, which is something that I kind of look for in a in a hotel, especially at, at night when you wake up and it's like 90 degrees and you're <laughs> dripping in sweat because, you know, the flimsy AC isn't working. Uh, the bathroom, high quality products, great amenities. It, it was it was a really nice room. And in the room, they gave you a free beach bag to even take home. Uh, you got some uh, straw hats that you could wear and also take home. Uh, bath bathrobes were nice, but you couldn't take those. You could not take those. Uh, but they really gave you a lot of like little gifts, you yeah. know, along the way that really kind of, it's funny because like I, I, the hats can't be that expensive to them, but they're such a nice little memento of the trip. It's sitting, you know, on my hat rack, so to speak. I can look at it and I can, eh, you know, a little smile on my face, you I know, like ab- about the trip. So it, it's a super nice gesture and and they really excelled on on the little things at the hotel that makes a big big difference uh, let me ask about the food um uh, in a couple ways what's the cuisine like in that region and how many restaurants are there on site so you know the typical cuisine for the seychelles is you know fish-based kind of creole type cooking uh and the hotel has three restaurants that kind of all function out of almost a shared kitchen and relatively similar shared space. So the areas that you eat, if you're eating in the Japanese restaurant compared to the Creole grill, I mean, you could throw a football not even far and, and hit the other one because there's only 27 rooms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's not these big sweeping um, dining rooms uh, per se. Um, but the food is was phenomenal across the board. It was phenomenal. Uh, there's a Japanese restaurant. There's a general, you know, Western-ish restaurant, and there's a local-ish Creole fish grill restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we ate at all three, and all three of them were really, really, really good. They There was always an amas bouche to start. Um, by the last night, you know, the server knew us, and he brought us a free appetizer. And it was, it was, it was super, super nice. There's a couple bars sprinkled into the hotel uh, that kind of have their own space, a, a beach bar and a uh, a bar on the top floor that overlooks the ocean for kind of more upscale cocktails. And they really did a very nice job of defining spaces that had their own feel to them, even though they're working with the constraints of it being a relatively small property that's not going to have a lot of room and space between the 
different areas to, you know, make them feel different mm-hmm. because, you know, there's only 27 guests. So how many bars and big bars do you need? Right. But but they did a really nice job of appointing the areas and, and making each area feel unique that you're getting a different experience from going from one place to another. Sounds great. Uh, what was where was breakfast served in the generalist uh, uh, restaurant or where? Yeah. And, and breakfast was great. You you know, they had a buffet. And first of all, breakfast is free for everyone, not just diamonds. Oh, um, they have a buffet. But the buffet was closed. So instead, for COVID reasons. So the way they handled that was they just had the waiters basically continuously walking around with all the buffet food that they would then put on your plate if you wanted it. Nice. And they had a a menu for for hot items. And they also said, you know, order off the menu. If there's something you want, you know, if we have the ingredients, we'll we'll throw it together. Nice. And I don't remember what my wife ordered, but she did do something off the menu and they they put it together and it was it was phenomenal. So again, like food and beverage right on point really really good stuff and so you would have breakfast complimentary each morning everyone had that complimentary so was there any kind of uh, more free food that you got as diamond since the, the you're like hey the breakfast is free for everybody what do I, what, what do i get for my diamond here <laughs> so yeah so n- nothing additional there on arrival there was a bottle of champagne in the room and some treats of sorts i, I don't even remember what they were but something sweet as well um, you know, in the room as kind of a thank you for being a diamond. I think to a certain level, the whole car massage thing is kind of a way that they try to do something extra for diamonds um, since they are not, you know, giving them any, any, any breakfast for free. Yeah. But, but overall, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, you know, most places I would go, I would take a free day rental car over, you know, a continental breakfast that's, you know, some sad looking cantaloupe and a, <laughs> English muffin that's probably stale. So uh, for me, that would be a happy trade-off. And to get both, you know, a really, really solid breakfast and, you know, the extra perk was just phenomenal. And so the, uh, what for lunch and dinner, did you, as you said, you ate on site three times, maybe offsite a little bit, maybe just snacks by the pool for, for lunch or during exploring the island. I mean, so one thing I think people can be concerned about, myself included, is just getting raked over the coals and the cost of food in a captive situation. But it doesn't sound like you felt like uh, you, you felt like you got a good value for what you spent on the meals. Yeah. So, you know, generally we had, a, we ate offsite a couple of times for lunch. The dinners were pricey but they weren't outrageous given the food quality and you know what it was i there wasn't i didn't find any sticker shock when i looked at the menu uh you know the island is obviously cheaper to eat than at the hotel um but i I had no issues with the prices it wasn't like maldivian prices for food when you're super captive Um, and i thought that the quality more than made up for the general more expensiveness Excellent. of the food. Were you able to use your Hilton Aspire $250 per card member year credit towards food and beverage there? Oh, well, now this was this was a fiasco. So <laughs> COVID strikes and supply chains disrupted, as you know, and they disrupted the supply chain so much that the hotel couldn't get in a credit card reader for... <laughs> For check-in and everything else. So they're working off a credit card reader that I don't know where they got it from. Maybe Amazon. But it doesn't (laughs) take Amex. Oh, my goodness. uh, Right. So, I mean, you know, obviously, one of the reasons why we picked this hotel was to use, I I have a fleet of Aspires. And I was going to, you know, knock, I split them across the the cadre. And every soldier was going to take $250, you know, in, in the fight against the bill. And then, you know, that was kind of a gut punch. And they were extremely apologetic. And I know that's something that, you know, they're not doing it to stick it to people. You know, at first I thought it was kind of like, are they just trying to save processing fees by not taking Amex? You know, this is ridiculous. But then, you know, it it truly is something that maybe by now has been corrected, um, but it wasn't corrected at the time. And it was disappointing. (laughs) What what made it even doubly disappointing too was that at the time I went, there uh, there was the promotion where you got an extra 10 points per dollar spent if you used your Hilton credit card to pay the bill. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, gosh. So it's funny because I emailed Hilton afterwards. I'm like, I'm going to get these points. And this yeah. is no fault of my own. Yeah. So I email Hilton and they're like, oh, just go take it up with Amex. And it's like, Amex isn't going to do anything. First of all, this is your promotion <laughs> and your hotel. And if I go to Amex and be like, there was an on-site promotion for using my card and they didn't accept it, they'd be like, oh, that's not my problem. Go take it up with the hotel. So I, I 
did a little pushback a couple times and they eventually did credit me the points I would have gotten had I been able to use the card. So Hilton I thought did. that that was fair. Yes, Hilton did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, MX is, uh, they're the perfect machine, but going outside of the <laughs> the normal operation procedure is uh, beyond their, their means sometimes. I think a, a better person to argue with Hilton in this case than them. That, that's a weird one. That's unfortunate. But I'm sure you'll find another chance to use those Aspire credits. So. Got it now. Just got to take another vacation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, one more thing I just wanted to touch on too is I wanted to really like highlight like how great the service at that hotel was please, and please. why it gave me good feelings about the brand going forward if they can find a similar tone in other hotels. So like the first thing was like having to switch rooms, you know, in theory, I was afraid of, of four times. I've never been to a hotel where when they told me like the key was going to work and don't worry about it, you won't have to come here to have it reprogrammed, that it actually happened as intended. And, you know, invariably, it's always like when two o'clock, you know, when it thinks you're no longer in the room and you're at the pool, right? So you're like dripping wet. <laughs> And now you got to like sludge all the way to the lobby while people are like checking in in their formal attire and you're, you know, you yeah, know, yeah. soaking. Can you reprogram my key? But like for four days, it never, it, 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 it I never had to go there once. Nice. It, it just every day. Perfect. It's like as advertised, uh, they communicate on like WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they give you your number and you can talk to them about any request about a dinner reservation. Um, there was a time we were at the pool and I realized I didn't have a, a charger for a converter for the, for my phone. Mm -hmm. So I texted them like, do you have a American converter? And they said, oh yeah, you know, uh, well, we'll get one to your room. And it was four minutes later when I was back in my room walking down from the pool and there was already a new converter in the room. Wow, phenomenal. I mean, they, they, they just, they hit all the, the notes. The staff was super empowered. My wife, my wife ripped her hat, uh, her straw hat. She put it on too fast. <laughs> You know, the brim rips. And we were talking at dinner with one of the wait staff, you know, asking how the stay was. And my wife's like, oh, it's going great, except I, I, I broke my hat. And wouldn't you know, we go back to the room after dinner and there's a new hat. Oh, so, awesome. you know, you call someone or tell someone and, you know, they just take care of it. I love and, it. Yeah. And, and the last night, the uh, our flight out was at midnight. So it's like, you know. The last day at the hotel is always a little bit chaotic, especially on a short stay, because like you got to leave at two, so you know you have breakfast, and then you know what do you do? So it's like, okay, let's see if we can get a late checkout, um, because you know I don't know what else I'm gonna do. So they're like, oh, we can accommodate a late checkout. It's like, well, you know, how late can you go? And they're like, how late do you need? It's like, well, our flight's at midnight. And they're like, well, you can you can stay until eight thirty p.m. Wow. So, yeah. So it was tremendous. So we had the whole day, you know, it didn't feel like a, a, a half day. Uh, they did housekeeping. They did a, a clean of the room in the morning even. So we came back from the pool and the room was clean with fresh towels and everything else. So oh, wow. it really... Yeah, usually on a late checkout that last day, it's like, okay, you can stay here as long as you want, but we're not cleaning the room one more time. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and the key card still worked all the way up until <laughs> eight o'clock. So I mean, like they, they really went out of their way um, to give great service. And, you know, by the end of our four-day staff, everyone knew you by name. Uh, they remembered what you had for dinner the night before. And, and, you know, if you, if you had a right, we were leaving breakfast one morning and the guy knew that we had a reservation for dinner. We didn't tell him it was probably in the book and he'd say, see you tonight at six o'clock. You know? Wow. So like, I mean, not obviously I've never been to an Amman, but you hear about the service level and I don't, it's not that. So I'm not going to come here and say like, you know, oh, they nailed the, the, the whole, you know, Amman style and everything else, but you can tell that's kind of what they're working for. And, you know, I think they're trying to hit it. And I think that they're really giving a great effort to and totally pleased with the stay. It was, it really truly was awesome. I was going to ask, you know, uh, let's end on a high note after not taking the Amex card, but I think you absolutely nailed it right there. Uh, sounds like a, a ringing endorsement for this property and for the brand overall. Uh, how do people get there if they want to get there in the future? So, you know, from the U.S., the easiest way to get to the Seychelles is with any of the uh, three Middle Eastern airlines. Uh, One-stop connection, we flew Qatar, had a layover in Doha, um, but you can get there Emirates and, and Etihad, and it's, you know, it's one stop from the U.S. And the timings generally work pretty good, too, because, you know, four-hour layover kind of thing. So it's, it's yeah, pretty good. 
I see some awkward uh, timing there when I look to the, the Maldives. So I guess you have the benefit of not having to take that additional seaplane, just a house car for uh, 25 bucks or something like that. Sounds like a potentially, especially for short vacations, but maybe a better play if people are liking the nature of what you described there versus those other options. So I think that's a great summary and ringing endorsement of that. Are you ready to get into the 10 ways Hilton is better than Hyatt? Let's do it. All right. All right. You want to take this first one here or should I? The footprint, the number and the location. You came up with this one. Why don't you take this one, CF? Yeah, I'll take it. So, I mean, the most important thing to me of a hotel is that I can actually stay in it, you know, to a place that I'm actually going. So like this weekend, I'm taking a trip and there's one Hyatt and the Hyatt sold out. Um, Downtown, there's four Hiltons and they all have availability and the prices of them are super high and the point rate is really, really good. So, you know, if I was just blinders on Hyatt, you know, where, where am I staying? But being able to flank to a Hilton, you know, there's, there's way more Hiltons throughout the United States, throughout the world. And that makes it easier to earn points, to earn status, you know, minus credit cards, because, you know, if you're going to Topeka, you know, you can stay in a Hilton. And conversely, you know, if you're going to your, I don't know, son's little league tournament, you know, in the middle of nowhere and room rates are going to be high because everyone else is driving in for it too. You know, you know that there's a Hampton Inn that probably has decent point availability. So there, there, there is value in having some sort of a tie to a program where you know you'll be able to find a room in that city pretty much no matter what that city is, no matter when it is either, and almost throughout the entire world. So to me, I think that's a huge benefit. Um, and I think that it shouldn't be overlooked. I, I go right along with that. You know, they have a presence everywhere. They might not be particularly strong in a certain region or a certain city, uh, but they have a presence almost everywhere. So that, that goes a long way. Yeah. And, and you don't get into these situations where you're absolutely wrapping a trip around <laughs> staying in a specific Park Hyatt or something like that. So I, I do see that as a big strength. And I know that Hyatt always seems to try harder because perhaps uh, they don't have such a big footprint, but undeniably it's an advantage for Hilton. I, what Hilton probably second biggest footprint next to Marriott at this point. Yeah, I would say on, uh, yeah, unless you're maybe IHG, I don't know. I mean, they got so many weird brands that, um, <laughs> but, but I, I think that the overall quality of Hilton is higher than IHG on a, you know, hotel by hotel basis. So, you know, I would, I would say they're probably number two. If they're not number two, they're a, they're a better two A than two B. There you go. There you go. All right. I'll take the next one here. Number two, a decent, meaningful status with no spend. And so I guess there's two angles to that, right? Uh, you can get gold status just by having an Amex Platinum card and probably a lot of other ways too. So that gets you that gets you a pretty good benefit, a breakfast benefit at a lot of properties, last I checked, and that's pretty nice. And with the Aspire card, you get diamond status, which is, I guess, their top published status. There might be something secret above that. Uh, some might argue that you don't get that much out of diamond relative to Hyatt Globalist, but... You know, with very little effort there, not doing a thing except for carrying a credit card or even carrying an adjacent credit card, you get some decent spend that can give you some breakfast benefits, maybe an upgrade or two, and uh, treat you to a good time. So I think that is probably one of the easiest of all the programs out there that gives you some leverage. What do you think on the on the status with no spend? Yeah, I completely agree. And I find unequivocally overseas, they treat golds and diamonds very, very well. And, and that status definitely matters. So if you're taking an international trip, and you only may be a gold or, or you know, a diamond that's used to, you know, nothing but a, you know, fake smile when you check into a hotel in the United States. Overseas, they really do do a nice job of, of, of honoring status. And those statuses for like Hilton Diamond, you can get it on a credit card that ends up being fee positive based on the other perks of the card with the airline incidental and the hotel credit and the, and the points and everything else, it's, it's almost like they're paying you, you know, to have diamond status. So it's, it's, you know, a really good, almost, you can work towards a no cost basis for at least a gold or a, or a diamond status, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Let's roll right into that next one. You're talking about credit cards. I'll let you take it, but it's number three, four credit cards for Hilton versus two with uh, Hyatt and their link up with Chase. So these are Amex cards, all the Hilton cards. And there used to be a, a strange joint relationship between City and Amex serving the Hilton base. And when it came over to be all Amex, I thought that was kind of the party over. You know, you couldn't do the free net certificates over on the City side and the 
more point-based system over on the MX side, but it seems like MX just kind of doubled the number of cards that they have in the portfolio. Uh, so talk to us about that, and uh, I think it'd be a good time to mention the the nice thing that you discovered for everybody on the Aspire card and uh, the no annual fee situation on that uh, benefit-laden card that I don't know when they're going to start charging an annual fee on that. It could be well into 2023. Yeah, I mean, that, that still is paying dividends you know crazy new new year rolls over another 250 dollars in united travel bank it's like you know the gift that just keeps giving but yeah when when city lost the hilton you know split so to speak i was worried too because i'm like well amex is going to have no competition so the car is probably going to get you know cut a little bit it's not going to be as generous and amex is like oh no no we're <laughs> doubling down on yeah. our uh, generosity and everything else so it's just been surprising that every time you blink the sign up bonus on these cards just keeps getting <laughs> higher and higher i think like right now you know i think the business is up to 180,000 and the the no fee one is either 120 or 100 it's it's ridiculous so the idea that you can get four cards get four sign up bonuses you know across two people it's you can quickly get a lot of points very fast and i know hyatt big benefit with the ultimate rewards uh, point transfer structure, which, you know, you don't want to overlook. But I think it's nice that, you know, Hilton has its own program. And I think sometimes I find value in the fact that, and this may sound counterintuitive, that when I earn a Hilton point, I'll have no remorse about using it at a Hilton. Where if I use an ult- if I earn an ultimate reward point, you know, I have to do some mental math and be like, ugh. Do I want to transfer it to Hyatt or would I rather just have the cash instead? Mm-hmm. So here there's no, you know, there's no like, uh, you know, I should have cashed it out. There, there's none of that. You know, these points are, you know, just for that. And it's kind of silly because, yeah, you probably want points that are more flexible um, that you can cash out because there's more value in that. But I think sometimes there's also like guilt free points, too, that kind of make me feel good about not having any other choice but to use them to go someplace nice and to treat myself. And, you know, that's what their intent is and, and, and that's what they're going to do. So you can get a ton of, of guilt-free, you know, Hilton points on four cards. Four is better than two. Um, and with some really generous, you know, big number sign-up bonuses. Granted, you know, it takes more points to stay at a Hilton than it does a Hyatt. But I think pound for pound, you know, the sign-up bonuses are as high, if not higher, um, when you, you know, do your strange wonky math than what Hyatt cards generally offer, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Oh, continue on here with credit cards in, in a minute and number four, but just to, to be clear, there's uh, three personal cards and one business card right now, uh, no annual fee. And then the surpass, which is a $95 annual fee card, which bonuses grocery store spend. And uh, we'll talk more about the free net certificates that you can get through spend on these cards, which is a pretty generous perk. But then there's, there's this high-end uh, Aspire card with the $450 annual fee, but that's offset by a big, like you alluded to, uh, air incidental credit and a resort credit that is pretty pretty handy. It would have, be, would have been handy at the Mango House if you could have yeah, used In it. theory, very handy. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's got the business card. The business card also kicks off free net certificates for like 15 k a spend a year, has different bonus categories as opposed to the, the surpass, but they really hit uh, all, all the points there. And I think there's, you know, some opportunities historically to upgrade and downgrade and, and you know, optimize through the whole the whole gamut of things. So it seems like you're constantly kicking off free net certificates and points. You know, uh, back in the day, I cashed out a bunch of points when there was this weird situation where you could get a very favorable rate on them towards Amazon. I got a right, bunch of Amazon yeah. gift cards. And I was like, oh, I'll never stay at a Hilton. I, you know, the... The, the scenario where you were just talking there was for one magic night, you know, it was it was open. You could actually liquidate them really well. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to liquidate this half a million. I'm never going to have any more Hilton points again. And somehow I have, you know, close to a million Hilton points between the both of us because these free net certificates cover so much stuff for their high end properties. And they just the cards keep kicking them off. It's like you got you to gotta defend them like rodents. They keep coming back. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I know. They, they keep charging at me another email, another free. It's like, what, what, what did I do? And they had that promotion recently where it was, you know, spend $8,000 targeted um, and get a free night certificate and I had it on two different cards and it's like buckle up like we're, we're doing this we're getting another two nights here it's just and those would stack if, if you got it and you waited it was on a surpass you know you could spend $15,000 on a surpass and it would kick off two free night certificates plus all the points for the spend I mean just insanity unbelievable 
Unbelievable. And uh, we should point out it could be used at that high-end mango house uh, that you stayed at. What was the uh, room rate there? The well, room rate the was eight or $900 a night. Wow. Um, I don't know if that even included tax, but it was it was, it was was around there. And what's the room category? What does it go for a night well, on points? I know you, know you use free night certificates. but uh, 95000 95000 So, you know, you think of a Hilton point, uh, what would you ballpark the value of a Hilton point? What's the conventional wisdom and what do you think it is? Four tenths of a cent, I think, is generally the um, the the market price, mm-hmm. um, and I think that definitely is a good benchmark to spend for uh, low end properties. You know, your Hampton Inn, your Hilton Garden Inn, for 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 lower category stuff. If you can get half a cent, you know, when you're going to Topeka, I think you're, you're doing okay. Um, but then on the on the high end, I mean, you should get a cent if you're if you're looking at you know high-end Conrad's, you know, resorts, LXR, high-end stuff, uh, because, you know, they can go $800, $900 a night, you factor in taxes and, and fees and everything else. And, you know, free, fifth free night and points and, you know, you're looking at, you know, 70, 80,000 points a night. So it's not, it's not hard to get, you know, a cent a point if you're really going high, high-end. Um, so yeah, there's kind, of a, there's kind of a range in value. There's almost like two different benchmarks you want to set for for price of of value for points based on how good the property is that's a good point uh no pun intended i i, I like that way of looking at it yeah be fine with around a half cent a piece for just your garden variety domestic stuff for those international splurge destinations and really stretch the value per point and uh bring a lot of value to those free night certificates we'll talk more about those in the minute in a minute but i did want to uh, put a plug in for a previous checking in episode with mike c who checked out the waldorf astoria in the maldives and that's another really one that's a mind bender in terms of the value you're getting per night on a free night certificate or even if on the point chart there so uh pretty incredible uh, and i wanted to pause i don't want like sound like shit, salesman chills here the how hard was it to find availability at the seychelles property i know you had to split up into different room categories and things like that was is it a little bit competitive there i know the the maldish property is it wasn't crazy and i don't know if that's you know because covid and it's new and everything else but you know there wasn't any issue of availability in general for you know months on the calendar when when, when we were looking at it um, you know, again, like there's some wonky stuff about different room types. So you may have to like jostle it, but you know, they showed that they're more than able to handle it on the back end completely seamlessly. So, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, getting put in an ADA room and then to a double bedroom and, and everything else. So, yeah, I'll say I've had good luck. Um, I've been uh, staying at the Waldorf Astoria in Orlando quite a bit, and I don't see them playing games so much with availability. You know, I'll see other properties in the area sold out on points and standard nights more than I will see that property to the point where it's like, why would I stay at a, you know, just a garden variety Hilton next door where I can stay at the Waldorf and it's going to be a better experience. And especially if I'm using a free night certificate. So yeah, I don't think that they're, maybe I'll sum it up in the end here by saying, I just don't think that they're a sinister company. You know, I, I agree with that. I, I, yeah. Like American Airlines, I think they're really out to get their customers half the time. Like, we're we're going to hurt you. And, <laughs> yeah. and Hilton just doesn't seem to be that way. They're like, oh, yeah, it seems, what's the reasonable thing to do? And we'll talk more about that as we go along. You don't want to spoil the summary here, but let's get into number four. I'll take this one if it's okay. Can You can get credit cards even if you're ineligible for the welcome bonus. And you might say, well, why would you want to do that? And think about a card like the Surpass, you know, where you get, what is it, 6X on groceries? And for 15000 in spend, you get a free night certificate. So that can be a fantastic way. And you could refer somebody for that card. You could have somebody refer you for that card. So you can even, even if you're completely ineligible for the welcome bonus and you've had it before, you could get that. Or you, you could upgrade that to an Aspire. You could apply for an Aspire head-on even with a welcome, without a welcome bonus. You know, straddle a calendar year and get a lot of benefits out of that over the period. And you can justify the annual fee, take on a referral for it and put some spending on it if it makes sense to and make it really valuable. And that's in contrast with Chase, with their famous 524 policy where you they won't approve you for a card that you won't get the welcome bonus for, even if you are fine with that. And I would actually like to have the Chase Hyatt card. I have global status. I'd like to put some spend on there. They have a lot of cross promotion between that card and benefits for staying in the program and such. So I, I would like to get that card, but I can't because I'm always f- over 524. And that's not an issue with these Amex cards. And I think it's a really nice thing about the, the Hilton program because of it. What do you think? Completely agree. I mean, you can get Hyatt status on the credit card spend and not having that avenue open at all. Uh, just because of 524 is a is a huge downer again like you would think that chase would by now have just said okay we think you're a gamer we're just not going to give you the bonus right like kind of like how amex does with the pop-up and that would be a happy medium because i know personally like i would love a i don't have a higher card either 
because I got boxed out with 524 and I'm not willing to make the sacrifice um, needed to to get the higher card. But if they were to offer it to me, Sam's bonus, I do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. So it is a big downer that they don't allow it. Yeah, it's a shame they don't allow it as a globalist perk. You know, think they kind of give you a backdoor link or something like that if you're a globalist to be able to get the status. But hey, we're talking about Hilton. On to number five. Oh, conveniently, uh, item number five is fifth night free on award stays. You want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, that's a great way to save 25%, 20%. I got to check my math on, <laughs> you know, any stay. You talk about, again, their, their points are more expensive and, you know, you're, you're looking towards needing more points to go somewhere. Getting... 20 to 25 percent you know off like that's a substantial savings and it really does especially usually if you're going to a high-end place that requires a lot of points you're usually probably going to go there for five nights so it's not that crazy of a thought that some unobtainable perk that you know you'll you'll never make happen it's, it's very obtainable for the super high-end properties anyway so it's a nice rebate usually that you're going to use on the most expensive places. It's a shame it doesn't work on the free night certificates if you stack all those up. I guess it's kind of strange that somebody would have in a singular account that many free night certificates piling up. But like you said, you have a bevy of cards and maybe maybe you actually would have that situation. But uh, hey, look, I, I just booked a Hyatt stay that's seven nights and I'm not getting any of the nights for free and I'm not getting any kind of rebate on it at all. So I agree that's a nice uh, aspect of Hilton. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard stories of people booking five with points and then swapping certs, four of them. Um, but it seems to be kind of a, your mileage may vary kind of situation. Well, that's a nice try. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, if you have them, it's almost worth a shot just to see if they'll do it. Right. So, uh, just an aside, how do you like to communicate with uh, Hilton? Is it uh, Twitter DM calling them? Is there such thing as the diamond desk? How do you connect with these people? I think that the diamond desk, uh, as it was you know, 15 years ago is, is dead where they used to be able to force people into rooms. Even, I mean, back in the day, if you were a diamond and the hotel was sold out, you could get a room on points for, for it. They, they'd force you in on a, on a, on a point rate, which is insanity. I have uh, a post up on Milanomics about that. The diamond force <laughs> thing. I've experienced that in my lifetime in the points and miles game. Absolutely. I've stayed at the Waldorf Astoria on the diamond force. It was bizarre. And I used to see it come up on, on the website, not even calling them. It's like <laughs> diamond guarantee. It's like, what? Huh? Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, like, I think the Diamond Desk is not what it used to be in that sense. Um, whenever I can interact with people on Twitter, I generally do it because I find them to be more responsive and more helpful. Um, like, you know, just asking them for my free night certificates, you know, before they started putting them on the web and then they took it off the web and now it's on the web. Um, but like, you know, DM them with your name and, you know, email address and say, tell me what certs I have and wait an hour and you'll get a whole listing. It's just, I find that more convenient you know, dealing with these interactions. Um, but I, I've also found their phone agents to be relatively competent um, when you've had to call to book things. Uh, so I've had good interactions with their customer service. They seem to be, you know, I, I had a call American Airlines the other day. I kid you not. Uh, they quoted me a callback time between two hours and 30 minutes and 21 hours. That was legitimately <laughs> what it said, up to 21 hours. I'm like, 21 hours? Are you serious? Like, like, Tomorrow at seven o'clock in the morning, you could be calling me about this. So you don't get that. I've never had that problem with Hilton. Thank goodness. Um, but yes, so I, I found their customer service to be very, very strong. All right, I'll take number six. And this is one I'm, I'm kind of kind of bothered by in terms of uh, Hyatt and it's easy point transfers. So I'm, I'm casting shade at Hyatt here for how hard their point transfers are. And what we're talking about here is person to person point transfers. Both programs allow you, not even the same household, to be, to be able to transfer points back and forth between people for whatever reason. Uh, Hyatt says it's for point redemption. Hilton, I don't know if, what kind of constraints they put on it, but you can transfer points to people and it's completely above board, entirely within their the terms and conditions of their, their program. And Hilton's is very good. I, I've been transferring uh, points with a, with a member of the, the network here and he just clicks the button and it comes right over instantly. Sometimes the weekend, maybe the first time, it takes a little bit more time for it to go through, but... He's like, I sent the points. I'm like, the points are here. Thank you. And they go through points.com. And Hyatt, in contrast, has this paper form that you need to print out or fill out with a PDF. And then you need to get the other people that you're that is are sending you the points to fill out the rest of the form with their information, their address, their email address, their telephone number, how many points, you know. And then you finally get it. And then you lob it into this black box of an email address at Hyatt that they never respond to you. It, it might go through. It might not go through. If there's something wrong with it, they don't even respond to you. It just doesn't happen. And so then you have to start wrangling, you know, talking to my Hyatt concierge, you know, like, and or, or pinging them on, on Twitter and they'll point you back to the email address. And 
for something that is just instant over at Hilton. I don't know why they have a form over there at Hyatt. It's a huge pain in the neck, and you can only transfer points over there once every 30 days. So Hilton is really far ahead of this in this regard, and, and it's really important because you know, one of the reasons why Hyatt has the ability to transfer points, I think, is part of the, the Globalist Guest of Honor program. And I'm always you know, booking things for friends, and then I get jammed up that I can't receive a point transfer for 30 days, and it's just a huge mess. So Hilton, way, way far out on this. I don't think they get enough credit for that. You ever do any point transfers on Hilton? I was going to say the exact same thing. I think that it's completely like under-publicized how great and easy their points pooling and their points transfers are. It is a huge benefit. I travel sometimes with friends to sporting events out of town. And invariably, like you're there for a night or two nights and, you know, someone will get the room. I'll get the room on points. Right. And they'll be like, OK, I'll just I'll just take care of you next time because there's no way someone can give me points to, you know, cover it normally. Right. Because you got thirty six thousand points or whatever. And with Hilton, it's great. It's like, OK, you know, half the points, put them in the pool or transfer me over. It's, you know, right away we're all square and I don't have to be like, oh, yeah, you know what I I Jim's got me the next time we go, but it's got to be at a hotel between 40 and 60,000 points per night. So it, so it evens out. And it's just like, it's just makes traveling with friends so much more easy and so much more fair than you're not just acting like, you know, like daddy Warbucks over here, just being the vacation guy who's just booking free nights for everybody. Like you can travel with friends and I, I'm invariably whenever we go places, I tend to be the person who does the bookings. Um, I maybe because I know the space better than most people do. But then it's just like it makes it so much easier just to like it's almost like the Venmo of hotel programs. Where you, <laughs> there can you, just, go. you know, push a button, send them the bill for shoot me over 20,000 Hilton points. Right. And we're good. And you forget about it and you move on to the next trip. Maybe even pick up a referral from them along the way. All right, this is the card you're going to sign up for. <laughs> and then send me 20,000 of those points. All right, number seven. Got to keep moving here. I'll give it, I'll give you the read off on this one and you, and you tell me what you think about it. Free night certificates at top hotels attainable through a reasonable amount of bonus spend. So conflating a few different things there, but it's, it's pretty great uh, as evidenced by your Mango House Day. Yeah, I mean, the way that they've been kicking off these these free night certificates, 15,000 on a surpass or a business card is very obtainable. And especially when, you know, for the surpass, you can do it in a very MS friendly category. So 15,000 isn't that really that much if you're a, you know, if you're a heavy spender. And I think they're the only program that the cert is still completely uncapped. You know, there's no like, oh, I got to find a 30,000 point or a 50,000 point with Marriott. It's completely uncapped. You you the Waldorf Astoria and the Maldives. What's that? $2,000 a night. It's, it's, it's wonderful. You can easily gin up the spend to get a cert that literally can go anywhere. Absolutely. Perfectly stated there. I mean, that's really, if you're a, a big spender, like you say, that is a really nice benefit for the program. And I didn't really realize that that I think is true. You know, you can spend a bunch on Hyatt. Maybe you get a category one through seven certificate if you hit a milestone bonus or something like that. Uh, but again, you have to have that credit card and or you might be doing that through stays, uh, you know. But yeah, same thing with Marriott. They, they seem to ratchet it up too complicated in a too complicated a manner in these other programs. You know, the 35K certificate, the category one through four certificate. We'll give you the, the certificates for the stuff you really don't want to stay at, but the aspirational <laughs> stuff are going to make a real pain in the neck to get. So I agree. Uh, industry leading characteristic of the Hilton program. And this next one, and we're kind of in a run here, we're talking about things that are then just being a good operation, a good, decent uh, you know, company that wants to keep their guests you know, happy. Number eight, free weekend night certificates are usable any night lately. And it's been something that they've been doing through COVID. And as far as I know, they've extended it here through 2022. And with maybe a lot of certificates backing up during the depths of COVID where we weren't staying anywhere, we've been able to assemble some really nice vacations, multi-night vacations, multi-room vacations. And I think it's fantastic. You know, the, they're usually reserved for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is what they consider a weekend night. Uh, to be able to use those those famous four additional nights a week, I think is a really nice benefit. And it's making it very easy to use them. I would love it if that stuck around, you know, like oh. uh, airline cancellation fees kind of going away. I would love it yeah. if this one stayed around forever. I mean, how hard is it for them to do this? I mean, I think it, it goes to there not being business travel occupying hotels on weeknights. If that until maybe they keep this around until that comes back. What do you think? What's the nature of this? Yeah. And I think I think that a lot of the hotels that people use them at are more busy on the weekends anyway. So yeah. I think it would help, you know, in general, more people are going to resorts on, on weekends. So they kind of have it backwards in that. I know they're trying to get breakage. Um, 
But I mean, probably the one good thing to come out of COVID was this this policy changing for the, at least the short term. Um, and gosh, I would love it so much if long term that was just the way it was. I think I think it's a huge win. Our, our trip to the Seychelles was midweek, and it wouldn't have been possible to use certs otherwise, you know, pre-COVID. And it was wonderful to be able to not have that you know, worry about, okay, you know, one night on points and then certs and because yeah. now even you're splitting up the reservation even more in that case and for no Mango good House could handle it. Right. But like some other hotels maybe can't handle it as well as they can. And, you know, then you're in your swimsuit at the check-in desk at two o'clock. So yeah, uh, hopefully knock on wood, they keep it. That would be tremendous. Yeah. All right. I'll tee up for this next one. I think it's yours. Uh, generous automatic extension of status, certificates, and points expiry. Yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand with the previous one, but let's say some more, more nice words about Hilton. Yeah. I mean, they just keep extending these these certs. It's it's great. I, every time you, they come up around their expiration, they're just uniformly, completely, you know, just completely rolled over. And that's been, again, like you say, I think it's been really, I think they've been really fair during COVID. Um, and I think that's been a nice perk that they've done. It's really easy to keep points from expiring if you just have the Hilton no-fee credit card. Even if you don't have any activity, your points won't expire. So, you know, in in expiring times, you know, now it's kind of awesome, you know, how you don't have to worry about that. But they're they're very good about extending stuff and, you know, keeping them, keeping your points yours, which I think is is nice and fair. Yeah, and no hassle, right? No secret squirrel. You got to chat up this person and create a big log jam of everybody trying to chat up this person, <laughs> trying to shake loose 10,000, 20,000, whatever point should be for this club certificate or something like that. Uh, obviously, you know, casting shade again there on Hyatt. But yeah, just a, a no fuss, no uh, no no sludge kind of transaction, just making it happen for people. I like it. All right, I'll close out the last one here at 10. I'll give you the final word. But number 10 is one that's near and dear to my heart if people listen to the regular show, the uh, favorable cash upgrades to a stays. And what I'm talking about there, for example, is you want to book a room and you want to book a free night certificate. You get that room, you get a certain room. It's usually an entry level ish room and you might get an upgrade to diamond, Yeah, maybe beforehand, maybe at the time of check-in based on availability. But if it's important to you to have a larger, a different, a better room, you can usually at some properties anyway, call ahead of time, ask, ask to speak to the, the front office there and say, Hey, I'm interested in cash upgrades. And, you know, the first time I was approached about one of these from, I got a letter from the concierge at the Waldorf Astoria in Chicago, and I was really put off by it. I was like, you know, I'm looking for the concierge to do something good for me, like, you know, show tickets or dinner reservations or something like that. What are they coming to me with a, you know, hat in hand looking for some money here? Like, no, beat it. But when I looked at it differently, it became something that really enabled me to look forward to my stays. And I used this twice at the Waldorf Astoria in Orlando. Before I ever got there, I called them up and I was able to get uh, more use out of my free night certificate than I would have otherwise. And the amount of cash that they asked for the additional room was less than the delta in the price between the two rooms I'd booked. You know, I mean, I book an entry level room. The next step up was like $800 more and they only asked for $400 or the next level up was $400. They only asked for $150. So I think it's a really underrated aspect of the program because it ensures, double dogs ensures that you're going to get that quality room that you're looking for. And maybe makes you not have to get two rooms, maybe makes you, you know, excited about going to that property, whereas you were kind of, you know, worried about being left down in the dungeon if that's all that was available at the property. So I don't know if you've been able to take advantage of this one, but I've had great luck with it. What's been in your experience? Yeah, so I was able to take advantage of it at the uh, Conrad Maldives, for example. They are similar where they will email you, just ask them, say, what what's the various buy-ups from the base room? And I found that the buy-ups were extremely affordable to go up a, a room class or even two room classes, much less than I expected. And I took them up on the offer both times that we went and got some phenomenal rooms for, for a good price. And then, you know, we figure like if you have the Aspire card and you're using your 250, I mean, it's almost now paying for the upgrade. So exactly. basically you're, works for that. you're, yeah, you're getting a cert and, uh, and, and a free room upgrade and your diamond benefit. So I found that, yeah, some properties can be really flexible and really generous in terms of what they allow for a paid upgrade at, you know, relatively good prices. And it's definitely worth exploring, you know, to get the room that you really want when you go somewhere that's, you know, a really special trip. I like it. I like it. We should make it clear. uh, Neither of us are 
uh, DCS, a uh, famous commenter who is uh, always popping in anytime somebody <laughs> says something nice about Hyatt. He says, oh, Hilton's great. And you, I've been nine for nine for on upgrades so far this year. But th- there are some defenders out the program here. And I guess you could add us to the list. Uh, you know, we, I think you said it best at the top. You know, you don't want to be just too pigeonholed into one program. I know you don't look at just Hilton all the time. You look at all the programs and we kind of work our way back from the thing that we want to do. And then we figure out the best way to make that thing happen. I think that's a lot better way to go about life than having the tail wag the dog. So any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners on Hilton or on any other topic? Yeah, no, I mean, I would say Hyatt's awesome. You know, don't don't sleep on Hyatt, of course. Um, but, you know, save some room for the other program. Save, save some love for for some of these other hotel chains that do certain things right and and just find a way, you know, if you have the time to, you know, get another card or or make a little more spend to diversify your balances, diversify your, your mindset. And, you know, maybe you'll end up in the Seychelles, you know, having a cocktail overlooking the ocean at the mango house and, It'll all be worthwhile. I'll tell them C.F. Frost sent me. Yeah. <laughs> C.F., thanks so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I know you're one of the most popular guests we always have on the show. Uh, people in our Slack community can reach out to you, I'm sure. you know, Maybe they'll use a, a Hilton credit card link or just to ask you for advice, and I'm sure you'd be up for exploring that. If you, We're going to put this out on the free feed so more people can hear about it, mostly 100% above board stuff. So hope everybody enjoys that as an example of the podcast that we're releasing here on the network. That's all for now. Thanks, CF. You have a great uh, great afternoon, great weekend. You too. Have a good one. All right. You've been listening to Checking In with Robert Dwyer on the Myelonomics Podcast Network. <laughs>